That's right. This is where an episode of Between the Profound and the Profane, a comedy podcast where lifelong friends tell friendly stories, give friendly advice, and try to learn something new about their friends. All the while, trying to make each other die laughing and maybe making some new acquaintances along the way. This is where that show would be found on any given Monday. But we're in a bit of a transitional period here at thebonushours.com, so in the spirit of backdoor pilots and spin-off shows I've stolen from way, way too many years of absorbing television. Here's something completely different. Welcome, one and all, comrades, fans, neighbors, friends, newcomers, and true believers alike, aboard the ship where we hoist the flag. This is the Bonus Hour Show, where the one you might call captain of this year vessel steps to the pulpit to address the nation we are building. No co-hosts, no guests, no home but where we roam. Just a cute pirate microphone, and all my lovely listeners, allow me to flay my wrists open and spill life's blood for this microphone, to offer my vulnerability to you all by way of reading a poem. That's right, it's Bad Poetry Sunday here on the Bonus Hour Show. We're going to reach into my desk drawer here flip open one of my oldest living notebooks and try not to hang myself from the studio lights and embarrass me before I finish. Either way, it'll be a pretty interesting fucking show. This one's from my notebook. Never been published. Never made it outside of a desk drawer. Call it of poems and prose. It's all purple to me. Tonight we're going to be reading from the first page. Oh boy. So without further ado, here's me reading my original poem. So gorgeous, I wore sunglasses to look into your eyes. Fuck. So gorgeous, I wear sunglasses when I look into her eyes. By Christopher R. Myers. I am honored by the gods the duty of holding the sun while she slumbers. In the dusk of the evening, just abreast the fiend's nightly ascension, the blind beauty takes graceful steps down along the western sky, through the window, and into arms bred from the depths of the night-tide abyss. She folds her celestial body between my modest sheets, wrapping her glow round me, a warm escape from the bitter cold produced behind a tattered heart. The gods awaken her. My love leaves to tend her daily duties. She glides out of my tomb, kissing my cheek, before bringing her light to the world. And when I make my rise from beyond, leaving my post of guarding my desk, 
I step out back to feed my thirst to breathe death. And I must shield my eyes from the beaming smile she constantly shines down upon me. Welcome back. I hope that one didn't hurt y'all to hear as much as it hurt me to read to you. Uh, we do call it Bad Poetry Sunday for a reason. I'm, of course, half kidding with myself. I, as any artist will tell you, we all hate our own stuff. Just find it terrible. Um, it's more embarrassing and, and, and difficult to make oneself uh, vulnerable, especially to um, strangers who might be listening on the internet even more so to strangers who might not be listening on the internet, if you catch my drift. I think I said earlier that I had I, I wrote this one uh, and the whole notebook that it's contained in um, uh, back in 2011. Uh, I had just started a, a new relationship, um, like very, very early on into a new relationship. Yes, I know, a gag. But when you know you have a way with words, it's incredibly difficult to not abuse that power over people. I mean, especially when you're 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 really, really stupid, careless. I mean, I was I was in between my my LSD and my mystic phase, uh, not so smack in the center of what I call my twenty three year old asshole phase. Yeah, that one. Uh, <laughs> you might have been there at one time or another. You might still be there. You don't have to be twenty three to be a twenty three year old drunken asshole. You can be forty five and still be a twenty three year old drunken asshole. Uh, and if you are stuck in that phase, uh, whether you be 18 or you be 49, I pray that you find your way out of it before you find the grave. Anyway, never tell an intelligent creative kid they were born with a gift, especially if that gift is, is with words. Because at least in my case, that kid grows up to just give that gift away to anyone that will reach a hand out to them. Especially when they, they, they see that they can like, get something out of it. You know, when you find out at a very young age or at any age, I, I suppose, that you're not only charismatic but can turn a phrase in ways that will make people perk up their ears, or you can use words to weave just kind of brilliant little tapestries of poetry. You learn that you can use it to, to, to convince people of things, convince people that you're perhaps different than you actually are, or... You can better present the form of what people want to see. See, when I was that age, 23, 
year-old drunken asshole. Um, I had grown bored with just using my serpent's tongue to snake my way into the beds um, of strangers across this defunct train town that I grew up in. And so instead, I started using my pin to slither into hearts, uh, looking to make a fast love connection and move on. Or this poem was genuine at the time. Either way, it, it did the job that I was looking for it to do, convincing someone that they wanted to be in a relationship with me because, hey, if he's this good at um, opening the door with beautiful words, there's no way that he could fail to live up to that fucking challenge that he's setting up for himself. No way. He's going to be a fucking disappointment. So yeah, it worked. Other than the whole I forgot about the move on part this time around for almost two years, which was a record at the time for me. And I wound up in the general getting heartbroken territory. It's cool. We're actually on speaking terms now, and I'm in a relationship that's much better for me. I think this poem, um, now that I've moved so far beyond that moment, that relationship, it's been six, seven years since I wrote this, um, I can actually look on it with a truer insight into myself and my troubled brain. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's a lot easier to see what this poem is actually illustrative of, um, in my eyes, because it, there's a lot more subtext, I think, going on in it than actual text. There's actually a lot more subtext than there is text. It's mostly subtext when I think about it in hindsight. And when I think about it in hindsight, it's not about a relationship or about being awestruck by um, allowing yourself to fall in love again. It's also and mostly about uh, how I'm a shiftless shit um, an alcoholic shut-in who knows how to use words in order to convince anyone willing to pose as the life-giving son that I'm brilliant and in love. And how I can never really live up to the shadow cast by whom I project to be. Something like that. So if you're out there and you're young and fancy yourself a writer or a wordsmith of any sort... Take it from your pal, Chris. Learn from me. And get over this phase as quickly as possible. Because while it's fun, it's not that fucking fun. Or else, you know, you might find yourself squawking into a microphone at all hours of the night. If that's what you'd prefer to be doing. The bonus hour isn't just about the cute pirate with the sexy voice and keen fashion sense standing on a stage seeking an audience and asking my personal friends to bear our relationship for attention-whoring view fodder and some late 20s mad dash to find fulfillment in the adoring eyes of a long-sought-after fanbase. Because if we don't feed my ego, it consumes us all. No, it's also about bringing you, the listener, on board as a crew critter. 
helping y'all seek and discover self-actualization through my own. This exists for us, for us to chase the anarchism of the foam. There are those on shore that would have you chained to each other, bred to believe life can only be yours in designated moments. But there, cutting through the fog, on the edge of the lighthouse's shadow, flying the sigil of extra time, it's the bonus hours come to harbor, to bring mischief-makers, mystics, mistakes, and merrymen together. So gather round, with the eternal tricksters, come along and find freedom of yourselves amongst new friends. Brad, how much time am I supposed to fill? An hour? The show is an hour? Look, I'm filling in for him as a, as a, as a friend, but like, I'm getting my own show out of this, right? There was stuff to fill in.
Lifelong friends only last a lifetime. We don't have enough conversations about the love between friends. And where I hail from, perhaps where you do too, love is only counted in the romantic sense. In the how to lose a guy in ten days sense. In the bad Matthew McConaughey movie sense. Romantic love. Cheese love. Partner love. Significant other love meet fall in love slam some doors break up heartbreak kind of love it's a common story it's a common trope but there's not much talk of friendly love outside of a few comedies from the mid to late aughts which means we never really have a discussion on breaking up with your friends. Some will have you convinced degree or level of friendship, oldest, best, great, good, party, acquaintance, friends, is based simply on number of trips around the sun. Amount of time multiplied by number of stories equals degree of friendship. Somebody you've known since high school is a better friend than somebody you met at work three years ago. This philosophy seems to be pervasive in bust towns. In a small town or poor suburb, if you don't make it away to college or sell your sanctity of self to the state, the friends you made in high school and just after graduation become your friends for life in the ensuing race towards death. You'd be surprised how easy it is to give someone your forevers when all of you are actively seeking your end. Every overzealous extrovert moron with a bottle of rum soldered to his lips and Lord knows what coursing through his veins, needs a few good whiskey-swilling introverts with a rowdy habit to greet the devil with a grin when the Ford goes tumbling down the interstate. An early twenties death wish begs for company. This self-immolation crew forge an incredible, immeasurable, immeasurable bond in these flames, but they consume the fire. Death won't come so easy, and hell is what keeps them breathing. There will be another fire. There will be more fires. If you all reach the age of bar drinking without succumbing to her cold kiss and rolling home to the choir, a feat hard won at that age, but mostly still a game of chance. And none of your friends stab you, literally. Lucky you, now is when you slide back and easily relax, settle into the warmth of a nice, cozy addiction. Not all addictions are created equal. Not all addicts are at the local crack house. Some of us are hooked on the high, but others of us, 
were a slave to self-destruction. Soon, the whole gang vanishes into themselves, becomes lost in the wood, still holding hands but blind to each other. They'll still come together every now and then to trade their wares and partake in libations of past time. But a sinister game has begun. An ethereal ooze settles into their souls, inky blackness devouring what isn't filled with drug. An extra-dimensional stink labels all of them. And fate is coming. When you're the best of friends, you still can't outrun fate. Especially if you're not tripping out in the woods. One by one, they all fall. Gone to county one too many times and forced to dissociate from the ball of flame and steel cartwheeling through your hometown or hauled off to the other side of the country. Dead before 25. Kidnapped and framed by a law that sees you as a poor, useless drug addict better off making the state a profit from behind bars. While some keep on seeking that rock bottom of six feet under and manage by the grace of something to come out the other side sober, or the ones who completely detach themselves from culture and reality from the inside out, losing grip with their mentality and their very identity. All of them crawling like vomiting snakes to their destined graves of varying size. And the world burns down around you. As you all spin out of control in different directions. Hopefully you learn none of you are growing up together as much as you are growing into each other. A thick wall of thorns, branches gnarled and knotted around and into each other. And you must separate to survive. Even if you must sacrifice some of yourself to do so. Limbs grow back when not trapped in symbiosis, and the world moves on, with or without you. With any luck, you make it through your quarter-life crisis without dipping back into the... With any luck, you make it through your quarter-life crisis without dipping back in to relearn this lesson. It's much more difficult to come back from a second go-round. It's even more difficult to successfully reignite the fires of friendship after all of this has been said and done. It's definitely worth a go. But after you break into such different directions and there is nothing left to learn from each other, nothing left to teach one another, without due diligence and a passion to be cattle A adult friends, make new memories, what's left? 
just fog out snapshots of being days long past. A whole nother lifetime from where you stand. It's not like many people keep in touch with their elementary school friends into their teens. So, proof right there that it doesn't take a truck full of drugs and bad decisions to make it impossible to connect with a person who knew you as a different person. Nothing makes high school and college friends sacrosanct. They aren't immune to the hourglass. Sometimes those friends who broke from the explosion cannot come back home, emotionally or mentally, whether they changed in your time apart or not. Others are only able to drop a line or grab some coffee every now and then to make sure you ain't dead. Anything deeper endangers the years of progress they made beyond you. The rats who hurled themselves into the ocean to escape the bombs going off in the cargo hold swim away from each other or drown each other. Those, that's it. Two choices. No rats reach dry land while holding hands, and no rat swims back out to squeak about how fantastic life on the ship was. What the fuck would you even talk about? Remember that timing? And I'm like this, you can ask my best friend of XX years is reductive of a friendship, of a relationship, of a person. It is how you breed contempt into a reconnection. It's impossible to have a relationship with an adult who still carries the banner, the banner for a long, dead nation. When you were trying to go into your 30s with grace and dignity, looking for the new adventure that will sustain you, having someone living in your shed, shining lights on the cobwebbed corners of your checkered past, holding dark days up as glory years, they seek to reclaim because to their eyes, life never got better than when you were snowblind and chasing your own tail together, is not conducive to your needs. It shows a lack of respect for what you went through with one another and a lack of love for the person you became after you grew apart. Nothing stings like seeing a grown man moon for the days of twenty, again and again and again and again and again and again, and nothing stings the same way as watching someone refuse to grow up. It's like pouring lighter fluid on an open wound in your palm and holding it over a candle. On the other hand, some can come back together. A friend should push you to do better for yourself. Anyone you have any amount of relationship with should only be there if they want with everything in them to see you be the most successful, realized you that y'all can muster. Anyone not taking on an active or passive role in inspiring you to positive gain maybe isn't looking out for you the way you thought. Anyone that only wants to be around you so that you aren't al so that they aren't alone with the sea deserves to get acquainted with the waves. Is this selfish? Hell yeah, it's fucking selfish. But selfishness is sometimes a necessity. You can't sink an entire ship for a drowning man. No matter how far back in your lifeline, you two may go. You'll do no good for anyone allowing yourself to be dragged down by your love for someone else. Pray. 
they find a shore and pray they can build a boat. Call me an asshole if you want, because maybe I am. But I am not saying that no one should ever help anyone. What I'm saying is sitting still will kill you on this ocean. So bringing someone aboard who is content to stagnation is a death sentence. And one does not commit a full crew to the sea to attempt to rescue one person. Those that swim condemned themselves. Hope they will make it out alive. Love them when you see their crest and colors waving on high. But focus. Focus on the ones who want to succeed or fail with you. Not on those who wish to be with you when you succeed or fail. Never let someone willing to settle for complacency ruin your momentum. So build a crew of loved comrades that will not rest till each of you is riding free, chasing your own unique. Because freedom is friends that will raise hell if it stands in between you, y'alls, and what you want, living for yourselves. And here at thebonushours.com, here on the Bonus Hours show, here on the flagship we offer to be those friends if you have none. We offer to be those friends if you have some. We are here to push you to turn it all upside down. To steal all the lead in the world, transmute it into gold, and then steal the world's gold anyway. To call yourselves kings and queens so that you may only answer to yourselves. So join me every week on the Bonus Hours show, on the deck of the flagship, talking about whatever I've wrote an essay about this time. So until next week, get back to overthrowing yourselves.